All right, it is day 30 of 100, and we are continuing the series of excerpts from my Enneagram Introductions workshop. And today we are talking about type fours. Just a reminder that I personally identify with type four, so my language always shifts a little bit from we to they to, you know, just uh, keep that in mind. All right, let's go. So type fours at their best are intuitive and expressive, but at their worst can be self-absorbed or depressive. The motivating need at play is the need to be authentic or oneself, um, to find and express your true self, to have personal significance and meaningful connection in life, and to avoid the ordinary or mundane or shallow aspects of life. The basic fear is of having no identity or personal significance, and fours are fundamentally meaning-oriented people, kind of always interested in finding the underlying meaning or, or kind of naturally tuned in to that and to, and to searching for that. The basic desire here is the desire to be known and understood as well as to know and understand others. There's a, a consistent kind of preoccupation with that at play for fours. And uh, some teach that fours are the most complex number on the Enneagram, which just personally feels a little strange to claim as a four. Um, I don't quite know how one would qualify that, but there, there is a generally kind of unique perspective that comes with fourness, um, attuning to texture and layers and depth, or just, just a different angle on things than might be readily seen or noted by others. And sometimes that can be difficult to communicate effectively, and that, that is part of that understanding gap that uh, Fords can feel kind of plagued by. And sometimes this is unclear because of withdrawal patterns. Fours are withdrawing numbers. We withdraw to manage ourselves in stress. But uh, relationships really are everything to fours. Uh, that is uh, what is held most dear and, and most important. And that can look different, obviously, for different people. But that value of relationship and deep connection is going to be pretty consistent here. And fours are incredibly fearful of abandonment. This, this leads to our push-pull patterns, which uh, can be very difficult in relationships. So if we start to kind of fear that uh, we might lose someone, we'll push them away. And then when it appears that, oh no, they might actually leave, we'll pull them back in. Uh, and that, that is not conscious, or at least not until you learn to start looking for it. And it can be kind of big and explicit like that, like I described, or it can be in really small kind of day-to-day -day interactions. Just if there's, if there's intimacy, if there's any sort of insecurity about the connection, there can be a push and then a pull back in. And this is most often happening in a relationship, but this also happens with work and other things that the four is involved in. And there can be a lot of fluctuation, a lot of back and forth, and that's exhausting for us as fours, but also exhausting, of course, on the other end of that. And so that's something to really work through as fours and with fours in relationship. Fours feel very deeply and have frequent emotional 
fluctuations. Uh, Richard Rohr teaches that by the age of 25, fours have felt the entire range of human emotion. And I can't tell you how incredibly comforting it was to hear that or to read that the first time that I did. I mean, it explains so much. And of course, you know, that can go a couple of ways. That can be an overwhelming deluge for a person to experience uh, so early in life. And you can really kind of get pushed under the waves of all of that and and have a lot of problems. Or uh, if you can, can manage to have the tools to withstand all of that, to work with it, it really, really develops and undergirds this highly empathic quality that, that fours have. This ability to kind of intuitively feel with others, this desire to uh, be with others, even in really difficult situations. Fours have this ability to, we say, bear witness to pain without having to fix it. So to sit with someone in pain and to just truly be with them and not have to talk or not have to fix it or move into action. And that can be a really essential aspect of relationship through seasons of grieving. And that can be a gift that fours are particularly equipped to offer because it's not super typical in our culture. We, we go very quickly to fixing. A lot of us are, are uncomfortable with discomfort, but fours are acquainted with deep feeling. We're actually biased toward negative feeling. We repress positive feeling. I know that doesn't make sense, but it's just the way it is. And so we're not afraid of the dark. We're not afraid of pain. And while that can be a great thing to be able to offer, there's a flip side to it as there is to everything. Because if I can sit with you in your pain without having to fix it, it also means I can and tend to sit in my own pain without moving into action when perhaps that is called for. And so it's very important to kind of uh, develop a gauge for, you know, when it's time to sit and be, and when it is time to get up and move. Fours do want to draw the deepest parts out of others and have a, an ability to do that. Um, but I have found, you know, not everyone wants the deepest parts of them um, to be brought out um, or explored or, or all of that. And so that desire in relationship can be met with a lot of resistance and that can be difficult. Fours tend to be highly self-revealing and creative. There's an appreciation for beauty. They're often artists or at least symbolic communicators in some way. Uh, we don't we don't want to stereotype fours just as, as artists, but there is some sort of indirect communication of feelings, some sort of symbolic communication that is often happening in this space. The vice for fours is envy. And this is not about jealousy for things that other people have, like cars or houses or watches or whatever. I mean, it might include that to some degree, but what what is being envied at the at the heart of it is uh, the normalcy or happiness or ease of life that we see others having that we don't feel we have. And there's a longing for that ease, that normalcy that we end up believing would come from having an ideal person or relationship or situation to complete or fulfill us and 
there is a an idealization that happens and is so vivid that often reality becomes disappointing and that's hard to deal with. And part of what's at play here is that um, fours are, na are naturally paying attention to what's missing more so than what's present. And so the quote that really illustrates that well is from Brian McLaren who says, what you see determines what you miss. So if you're seeing what's missing, then you're missing what's present. And that is why gratitude is such a helpful practice in countering that vice of envy for fours. And that can lead to the virtue, which is equanimity, emotional balance. If you have felt the full range of emotion and you can, I, I like to describe it metaphorically, of course, but if you can surf the waves of all of that big feeling rather than getting um, sucked in and pulled under and stuck in the current, then it's really quite a skill to have and can lead to this equanimity, this stability that may not have been as natural beforehand. Real quick, some growing edges for fours. Um, practice doing what needs to be done, whether you feel like doing it or not. Our productivity is often very tied to our mood. That's why I put this off for hours tonight instead of doing it earlier when I could have. Uh, so doing doing what you need to do, whether you feel like it or not, is a good discipline to be able to to cultivate. And you know, one of the most helpful things to to remember, I think this comes from twelve step teaching, but it's just that no feeling is final. No feeling is final. So yeah, it could be huge, it could be big, it could be overwhelming, but it is not going to last forever. Period. No feeling I have ever had has lasted forever no matter how long it does last. And just as quickly as I can go from doing great to the pit, I can go from the pit to doing really great. And so rather than panicking, um, I have another teacher, Renee Rosario, who says, you know, feelings aren't emergencies. They're just energy moving. So rather than panicking, if we can remember for is that, you know, this is not final, this will end and, and breathe through it. Breath practice uh, has been extremely helpful for me. That's another good thing to cultivate. The lost childhood message for fours is you are seen for who you are. Again, that's the message that, that somehow doesn't get through. It doesn't mean that that wasn't communicated. It just means that because of the personality and how that functions, it couldn't get through. The wounding message that fours internalize is it's not okay to be too functional or too happy. Uh, I can't tell you where that comes from in all of my reading and in in um, exploring my personal experience. I am yet to have a a solid answer on that, but I do think it is related to this desire for authenticity. It's like I I am very suspicious of people who seem to be too happy. It's like you're you can't really actually be that happy. Like there's no way. Like you're not being real or authentic. So I think that's part of it. Uh, some people to follow, to study, to read, to listen to. Thomas Merton is a very famous um, for a monastic in the mid 20th century, 1960s around then. Uh, brilliant writing. One of my favorite influences uh, even before I knew the Enneagram. Joni Mitchell is kind of a, a quintessential for, I think. And 
uh, Prince is actually very kind of embodies almost the stereotype of four uh, for a lot of reasons and partly because there is kind of a natural androgyny for fours and I mean just Prince's symbol that you know became his name that that symbolic communication again you know is that combination of masculine and feminine and you see that in his whole life and work and then finally I was really excited to see this in my notes I didn't remember that it was there but Caitlin Curtis is uh, a Native American author who had a book come out yesterday May 5th so um, Caitlin's a four and uh, brilliant and a really important voice right now talking about decolonizing Christianity and identity, belonging, spirituality, rediscovering God in a beautiful way that, that is informed by Native wisdom and spirituality. So check her book out. It's called Native Identity, Belonging, and Rediscovering God. It just came out. And that'll do it for us today. For fours, I will be back tomorrow for type fives. Talk to you then. Bye.